Hey everybody, and welcome to this episode of Grilling and Chilling, featuring the engineering extraordinaire, weightlifting wonder, and most importantly, fantastic friend, Max Mechanikov. I'm incredibly excited to share this episode today because it's honestly one of my favorite conversations that I've had so far on the show, and I can't wait for everyone to get to know this amazing person. This episode had been in my files for far too long, and I'm very happy to finally put it out there. I hope you'll all enjoy this conversation as much as I did and learn things along the way just the same as me. So, without further ado, I give you Max Mechanikov. All right, I would like to cordially welcome to today's episode of Grilling and Chilling, Max Mechanikov. You want to hello, say everybody. hi to the people? <laughs> hello, hello. It's, uh, it's good to finally have you on. I've had a bunch of the other friends in our little group on a little while ago, so it's, uh, it's good to finally put you on the recording. It's good to be on. It's a little bit overdue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, first I wanted to uh, introduce Max, the person, because uh, I'll speak to the audience right here uh, real quick, because uh, Max is somebody that I've always had a great deal of respect for, because uh, Max, I mean, like you're obviously somebody who has a great deal of like strengths and, and talents that you're comfortable with. Um, but I found that you're somebody who always is willing to try and do new things, even if you're not sure that you'll exactly nail it right away. Like, I don't know, basketball was one thing that you had never played before in your life. But uh, one day I was like, let's, let's go to the park on vacation uh, and hoop a bit. And you were right there. Um, and I don't know a lot of people who would be willing to uh, hop out of their comfort zone like that. So. Yeah, no, that's, I definitely had an interest in basketball before that. But playing wise, like I knew I didn't have any fundamentals or nothing like that. So that was, yeah. a, that was a really fun trip. No, yeah. And uh, not only that, but like will, being willing to put in the work to like actually improve at it afterwards too. Um, and I feel like that's something that I related to, related to you on in a lot of ways was like you're very much a grinder in, uh, in things that you try to improve upon. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's not good enough to just, you know, show up and, uh, and yeah. be there. You got to put in the work. For me, for me, it's very much if like I'm interested in something, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like very invested into it versus like I, I don't like spread myself too thin between a lot of things. Or at least like I try not to like I'll have some like a lot of different interests, but like anything that I'm really interested in, like I'll put like I'll, I'll go for a lack of a better term, balls deep. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's way more fun to like perfect a craft and like really study all the aspects of it as opposed to just, you know, doing a bunch of things just a little bit at a time. I don't know. That's how yeah. I feel. Yeah, I want to like actually like, even if it's only like a couple things, I'd rather be like good at what I like. And like what I'm interested in rather than knowing a little bit about everything, which is kind of funny because that speaks to the opposite of my major where biomedical is very uh, like it's, it's a third biology, a third mechanical and a third electrical. And like basically our major is like master of none where we have like fields of everything. Right. Where like you're never like actually cracked into one, which it's interesting that like I gravitated towards that because normally in everything else I do, it's very, I don't know. Like I said, I, I want to be focused in one area and one specialty and just stick to that and write it up. 
That's actually really interesting. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about biomedical being like a really versatile subject that takes facets from a bunch of other uh, fields, but I guess in a way, uh, getting really good and comfortable at that versatility is a skill in and of itself uh, that makes you applicable in a lot of different positions. Yeah, because it's just like one of those spots where you have to like know a little bit of everything, which like I said, it isn't like my preference most of the time, but I think it's cool to like, like even if you are, even if you don't have the the, the specialization and, all, and one specific thing, but you understand a little bit of everything and you're able to put it together you're basically like kind of like bridging the gap between like the actual specialists. So like you, for example, if you're working on like a BME project, you'd have like a specific like mechanical engineer, you'd have an electrical engineer, you'd have like a biologist, like people that aren't like well-versed in everything. So like they can't necessarily always like, like they'll get along, like they'll understand the gives like the general basics of what each other's saying, but they won't be able to like go and like scope out the complexities of it. Right. Versus if you have something, somebody who at least knows a little bit about all of it helps kind of, like I said, bridge the gap there. Yeah. It's a special kind of glue guy skill yeah. set that uh, melds everything together, which is a, a cool role to play, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mostly wanted to biomed just because of the applications, because like, Everybody knows at least what I knew going into engineering out of high school is I just wanted a stable job with good money. And I knew schooling was going to be tough. And I knew that like it wasn't going to be easy. But basically, like the logic is that like you get your schooling out of the way four years. Maybe if you want to go master's, make it five or six. But then once that's out of the way, like you got your spot, you're got some good job security, you got a relatively good salary. But I, I didn't want to just only do it for money and just hate my life from nine to five. Right. So, like my dad is civil engineering, which is uh, more like construction focused. And it's more like uh, he works on a world trade center in New York. He does inspections and stuff like that. Just making sure everything's up to building code. Like, I think it's interesting, but that's what he kind of was pushing me towards. But at the same time, like I didn't really want to like, I don't know, it just wasn't me. Like, I, like, I think it's cool. Like I said, but um, no, definitely. Luckily, Luckily yeah. in Rutgers first year engineering, you didn't, you don't have to declare your specific type of major. So all incoming engineers take the same uh, two semesters freshman year. Get to know so it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You get, you get to scope it out and they actually have a class design that they just have. It's a one credit lecture class. You have no assignments, no work. And all it is, is you sit in a lecture hall and they have different professors come and essentially pitch their major to you. Right. And they're like, this is why you got to pick Mechie. This is why you got to go chemi. This is why you got to go ECE. And like, they literally, they'll just be like, try to sell you on their major. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Biomedical seemed really cool just because like you have all your engineering principles. Um, you have like your design aspects, your research, you got everything that like would attract somebody to an engineering job. But at the yeah. same time, it's applied to like the medical field. So like at the end of the day, like not to sound cheesy or anything, but like, it's like ideally going for good. So like you can actually make like meaningful change there. So, you see. I don't know. That's like a huge difference in the, the college experience that I had. And I, I find that incredibly interesting to hear your perspective on that, because I don't know, for me in the business school, it was kind of like everybody who showed up to the business school pretty much knew which major they wanted to go into. And nobody was going to convince them otherwise until like maybe some kids started like failing in their major and were like, let's bail out into something else. Uh, whereas with engineering, it's like you go in wanting to do some sort of engineering and just figure out where you can slot in 
the best and like I, I guess sort of be realistic about it and with your yeah with what your skill set is and to your point a part of me I mentioned this in in the episode with Ryan that uh a part of me is a little bit sad that I didn't go into some sort of engineering or science related field because to some degree it feels like business is just like everybody's out there for their own sake um and a lot of them aren't looking out for the betterment of anyone else um whereas engineering is like like you said you're doing some meaningful work yeah honestly i think that kind of like speaks to the mindset like you were mentioning where like you can't really convince or at least from personal experience i'm sure you've seen this as well like coming into like business school like a lot of kids like have their mindset like they either want to go to ib they want to go to finance they want to do like whatever they want to do and you can't really sway them off of that that like kind of goes to the same point where it's very like i'm not saying it necessarily is a bad thing but people are just very like self-minded where they're like i want to do this and i'm going to go towards this path and nobody can knock me off of it which granted it's definitely a good like aspect to have and like if you need to be successful in business you have to put yourself at the end of first at the end of the day Right. Um, because for example, I'm in that exact position right now with my job where nobody's going to be offering you raises. Nobody's going to be offering you promotions. Like, yes, you can put in the work but at the end of the day, you have to bring it up to your bosses and be like, Hey, like I did X, Y, and Z. This is why I deserve this. This is why I deserve that. Yeah, you got to go out there and get it. Yeah. It's not like show boasting or anything, but like, unless you like present it in front of the bosses or whoever is in charge of promotions or whatever the case is like nobody's going to reach out and for you so right it's kind of just it kind of just speaks to the business mentality in general no that is a really good point for sure um and kind of jumped ahead a little bit on me on the uh engineering stuff because th- that was going to come later but no that was a really yeah. good uh you brought up a good point yeah. there i uh, definitely appreciate yeah. that i just saw the parallel and i figured it might as well yeah, no, I, I it kind of just made sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we can uh, sort of use that as a segue into uh, the uh, the trait of, of of Max that when you you see him for the very first time, it's immediately apparent that this man is is large. This man works out. <laughs> that so, is uh, that is not a false statement. <laughs> I take pride in my size. <laughs> So one um, thing that I was like always curious about with you, and I can't believe I never really asked, but was like lifting weights and exercising and getting big, something that was always a dream or a goal for you growing up or did develop over time? Um, I want to say a little bit of mix of both. Right. Um, so I grew up pretty out of shape. Mm. Um, I, I did sports and I was just like a pretty chubby kid and I, like, I did not like the way I looked at all. Mm. Um, I wasn't really ever bullied for it so much. Like I got like teased that every now and then, but it wasn't anything like serious where like some of like the horror stories that I've heard where people like went through like real like serious bullying about weight. So it wasn't anything like that that really drove it. Um, but I like just wasn't really happy with the way I looked and I don't know. It, it was part of it just like baby fat and all this stuff that like, I don't know. I never learned what it was like to work like hard but then once puberty came um i started training mma and that's like kind of the point where i noticed my body like really starts to switch because like mm. just naturally this is at the age where i was like i started training when i was about 13 to maybe about 17 18 give or take so 
during this man, obviously everybody's body's changing a lot, but at the same time I was gaining strength because I was training a good five to six days a week at this point. Yeah. Um, this was, I started off as just self-defense. Um, like I thought MMA and fighting in general was cool, but honestly, like the physique and everything like that came as like a byproduct just because like, I was like forcing myself into the gym. Like, um, there was other reasons why as well that like, I really want to go into MMA. Um, but like for the most part, the physique came afterwards. And then I also played volleyball throughout high school. Um, so I'd go to the gym just to get in better shape to get my vertical up. Um, you know, you can't be like, like volleyball and MMA are both very demanding sports. You can't do that when, if you're not physically fit. So right. after, after I got injured in volleyball and I kind of just lost the passion for MMA for a little bit, mm. um, I got into weightlifting and basically from there kind of just skyrocketed because um, the way I heard recently somebody describe it as, which honestly stuck with me the most was like when you're first, when you're lifting, like you get a pump, you know, you know, the cases, um, like your muscles are enlarged you just like look better than you'd normally do. Right. Okay. And that's just a natural reaction. So like your blood flow, your blood is flowing more and your muscles just naturally look better. That pump goes away in like, say like two, three hours. So right. you're basically always chasing what you look like with a pump. Wow. So, and, it's, and it's honestly like what it that's comes cruel. to because you're like never as you don't look as good as like you like are trying to be because like you've seen what you look like with a pump and you're always chasing that one step higher, one step yeah. higher, one step higher. And I don't know, like once you get into that like sort of rhythm, like it was de definitely difficult at first because like I started off like I, I wasn't big when I first started. I was maybe like good like 165, 170 pounds. I was like tall, but I was like pretty lean mm. um, after volleyball and all this. Yeah. And then I just fell in love with like, okay, like I'm just going to push, push my body harder and harder every time. And then I'm, it's hard because you start by competing with everybody else around you. Like you start by, it's hard to like go in there and tell yourself, I'm only concerned about making sure I was better than I was the day before. Cause right. that's the mentality that, that you need to have. You can't come in there and you can't be just looking comparing at everybody yourself. Or, you can't yeah. be comparing yourself to the people around. You got to just like, it's the second you start to do that, like you're comparing yourself to people that have been lifting for maybe five, 10, 15 years more. Like you, it's just yeah. not realistic. So basically like you just start to slowly see progress, slowly start to see progress. Um, and then you just take it day at a time, day at a time. And then over time, like, just like I fell in love with bodybuilding just because like, it made me feel good. Like it was a good way. It was a good stress reliever. That's one yeah. of the main things too. Um, just the sheer amount of dopamine your brain releases as you're <laughs> lifting weights. It's yeah. Yeah. And then, I, I mean, to, to sort of interject there, um, it's kind of an interesting parallel between weightlifting and golf, surprisingly enough. Really? Um, yeah. When, when you had mentioned um, like the, the pump and like you're, you're constantly chasing what you look like in that first hour. Um, and it's like, it, it really is just you against yourself at the end of the day. And like this perception that you have of yourself um, and golf is sort of the same way where like I've had, rounds of golf where I shot the best I've ever shot in my life. And a part of me, like, I know it's not realistic, but a part of me is like, that's what I should be shooting every time I step out there. That's how good I really am. And then every time 
subsequently that I go out there and I don't shoot that score, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm letting yeah, myself I, down. I definitely see that. And it's, I feel like that's more than just sports in general. Like it's more than just our specific sports. Like we've seen that in basketball and you see that outside of anywhere, like for regardless of what you're doing, you're always like, once you set a precedent of what you know you can achieve and what you know you can do and Right. If you ever like miss that expectation, then it's hard to not be difficult on yourself just by nature. At least that's the way I am. I don't know if everybody's like that. I don't know if that, I'm sure that's the case for you based off just what you're saying here. Yeah. I mean, but, it's, it's especially tough, especially I, I feel like with a individual sport, like weightlifting and golf mm-hmm. where there, there's no defense for you to blame it on. It's yeah. It just no feels like it all comes either. down to you. Yeah. yeah. At the end it's of the day, very, it's all on you. It's an individual, yeah. individual sports. Yeah. And then, there's at least in bodybuilding right now, the reason I don't want to compete is because it's basically whoever takes the most steroids and who takes the best steroids. Right. And that's not really a path I really want to go down yeah. um, because people like take stacks of things where basically like, let's say they like they're taking trend or testosterone for muscle gain but that comes with a side effect. Let's say whatever, it causes some kind of inflammation or it causes some unnecessarily byproduct. So what they do is they take something like insulin to counteract that side effect, but that insulin comes with another side effect and you're basically just fighting that ongoing chain. And that's the reason why people take like stacks of like five to six, like performance enhancers all at once. And that's no way to live. It's, it's very dangerous because you'll have like your very high highs where you get either ready for a bodybuilding competition or a powerlifting meet or something like this. And I can show you later. Um, there's a lifter named Ronnie Coleman who was able to squat 800 pounds for reps, which is absolutely in, 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 in just uh, like you can't even think that. Like, people can't pick that off the ground. People like 800 pounds is a lot of, a lot of, yeah, and multiple times for reps, multiple right? times yeah. exactly. Like, it's a, it's a very like at his peak, he was like Mr. Olympia, top of the top, but he was obviously on performance enhancers. And yeah. like, you look at him now and he can't walk without a cane. And it's like terrible. His legs are shot. He looks like complete garbage. And like, like it's depressing because like at one point you see like how hard he fell. Yeah. And it's like very easy to fall in love with like the highs of like, look at him in his prime. But yeah, okay. That lasts five, 10 years tops. And then you still have another 50, 60 years to live. So you like, got to have that foresight and uh, look the damage you do down the line. Yeah, exactly. The damage you're doing to your body in that case is it's, it just doesn't worth it. Yeah. You just can't um, live like that. So actually that, that sort of segues into my next point where uh, I was going to ask what sort of advice you might have for people who were looking to uh, get started in uh, improving their, their physical uh, or like maybe even like physical image of themselves. Honestly, I think a lot of it comes down to what I said before, where you can't compare yourself to the people around you because especially okay. today with a lot of like social media and TikTok and all this stuff where a lot of people are posting fitness content it's very easy to get caught up with like, Oh my God, they look so good. Like I, I never look like that. None of that is real. It's really right. important to remember to take a step back. Like, first of all, all of those videos, everything that you're going to see, like, I feel like a lot of people get want to get into fitness because of this. I've seen in the past like year to two, once TikTok started blowing up, I've seen a lot of people like follow these types of trends and they get disappointed when like they can't instantly like be what they're seeing. Right. And you got to remember that all of that is Photoshop lighting, angles perfect pump like like all of this is all manufactured yeah and then even on top of that like you had mentioned with the performance enhancing 
drugs or whatever. Yeah, yeah you never know what people that... are actually on, especially yeah. like if you start off natural and you think that you're going to get to that top level, but seek it's never going to happen. And you have right. to just accept that. Um, however, it is important that you got to stay consistent, which is also the name of the game. Consistency, consistency, consistency. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to go out there and be smashing personal records every single day because it's not right. going to happen. You shouldn't be doing that. Your body needs enough time to rest and recover. But as long as you're getting into the gym and doing something, that's all that matters. Um, a big issue that I see a lot of like beginner lifters have is that they either come in with like no real purpose, no intent to work out. They're just there to show up, to put in their hour and they're scrolling through their phone. They're like kind of like half-assing their reps and they're yeah, kind of not just, the same. It's yeah. So you got to go there with a purpose and you got to go there with, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. This is what I'm aiming to do. If I can't do this, it's okay. Because, okay. Like I'm trying to hit 10 reps. I can only do eight, but that's okay. Cause I'm pushing my body till failure. You can't be super hard on yourself. The most important thing is you just got to stay consistent with it. Um, right. There's a bunch of different like types of programs and like outlines out there. Um, and I think that just comes with experience with like, you got to figure out what works for you. Like personally, right. I started off on coming from volleyball and from martial arts. So I was already used to working out five, six days a week. So I was right. able to push my body versus somebody who was, let's say they've been COVID just happened. Somebody has been locked inside for years and like, they haven't like, they let themselves go a little bit or whatever the case is, whoever like first starting out and hasn't been consistently working out for whatever reason, um, you can't just instantly jump into four five, six days a week. It's, it's, you got to let your body get used to it. You got to listen to your body. Yeah. Um, so most important, you gotta, you gotta see what works for you. And between that and staying consistent, the, the results will come and it just comes down to discipline and just, just trusting the process, honestly. Right. Yeah. I know a lot of people, uh, who are in, into exercise, working out all that, um, they, they mentioned that consistency and just making sure you show up and bring a hundred percent every day. Um, but I know that a wall that a lot of people run into is when they miss that first day or they let themselves slip up for just a second and it just snowballs because it's, it's hard to keep that momentum once it stops. So can you talk about like, I don't know, maybe a specific time that happened to you where maybe you let yourself slip for a second or how, how you get back into it? Every rest day, man, <laughs> every single rest day, I, that's, it's the, it's brutal, but it's, it's just too relaxing. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy you brought that up because that's the reason why like a lot of people like myself included don't like to take rest days because it's so easy to just slip and not want to get back into it right. because at least for me personally, like more or less, I have a schedule. Like I go to work, I'll go to the gym between a certain time. Like my body's like more used to it. Like I can get into a rhythm. Once I'm in that rhythm, it's easy to keep going. Like I already went to the gym yesterday. I went today. I'm going to go tomorrow. Like I'm already, I'm, I'm mentally prepping myself and physically I'm alternating different muscle groups. I'm looking forward to going to the gym. However, obviously rest days are important. And for somebody who is working out more frequently, something like five, six days a week, um, when that it is time to come for that rest day, it's very easy for your body to be like, Oh, nice. Like my body, like it needed the rest and needed the recovery. Right. And which is good. And it's very good that you're taking that rest day, but it's just, it's difficult because it's the day after is always so hard to get back into it. And it's like, it throws off your whole schedule. It throws off your momentum that like 
you were going five, six days in a row. And now all of a sudden your body thinks like, Oh, it's okay. Like you were allowed to relax. You don't really have to go to the gym today. Like you start looking for excuses basically. Yeah. The human so mind is brutal that way. Yeah. That like you, you, a year's worth of momentum can get shut down in like a day or two. Yeah. And like, you, you just start convincing yourself that it's like, okay, I took a rest day yesterday, meaning I can take another one today. I was fine yesterday. Like what's going to happen today. And it's a slippery slope because that progresses into tomorrow, the day after. And it just, once the ball's rolling, the momentum goes both ways. If you're staying consistent in the gym, you're going to want to keep going to the gym versus if you're staying consistent out of the gym, it's hard to pick back up and start again. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And to sort of backtrack here to uh, what you had said at the very first question, uh, you had mentioned you had started out with maybe a little bit more of a negative uh, perception of your, your body image. Um, and you were a little bit, I guess, chubbier in in your words. Um, I I know, (laughs) I know a lot of people who, that, that I met in college who like, as I know them are complete gym rats, like show up every day, work out, uh, really, uh, impressive uh, results of their, of all their hard work that they put in. Um, and a lot of them surprisingly mentioned sort of a similar beginning where they started out with a bit more of a negative body image. They didn't like where they were at. Um, and just over time, they, they turned it around um, and kept that momentum going within themselves. Um, but the most impressive thing that I've found from that is it's sort of like a, a Captain America type situation where people like yourself know what it's been like to be that person who had a negative uh, perception of their own body. And because of that, like I've never seen you truly like look down on somebody for the way that they look or uh, something that, you know, a society might perceive as as a flaw. Like, you know, that it's not easy to uh, put in all that work and uh, achieve everything that you achieved. So I, I definitely respect that a great deal from, from everybody I've seen. Yeah. I think what's important to know is that like, I'm blessed that I have no like major conditions. Like I'm very healthy. Like I, I started off. Yes. I was a little bit heavier, but granted I didn't have any, like ma- I didn't have asthma. I didn't have any like major setbacks. I had nothing really stopping me versus I know it can be difficult and you can't just assume that oh, so a person's out of shape or they're not up to speed or whatever the case is, or they're just being lazy. They're just not putting in the work. It's it's very easy just to, that that's like the place where your mind can default to, but it's also important to know that just by looking at somebody, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what their head's at. You don't know their mental state. You don't know what they're going through. So right. it's always important to try to be a little bit open-minded Empath- towards yeah. things like that. The, the empathy is as important as just about anything else, I want to say. Yeah. Um, yeah but like you said like anybody who has been there before and has seen what their body can actually accomplish and what their body can do knows that once that ball gets rolling like they're a different animal they're tough to stop yeah because like you've seen where you're at and you see you know deep down what you can be because you see the results that are starting to form with like okay i've only been going to gym two three four months but I already see that I like this about myself more. My stomach's a little bit flatter. My, my chest is a little bit bigger, whatever the case, whatever you're aiming to get. But you see like the small increments, like 
little bit, like little building blocks starting to slowly build up. And you see that, okay, maybe, okay, this isn't exactly the final destination of where I really want to be, but because I was able to accomplish this in such like, maybe like three, four months, think about where I'll be in a year, two years, five years. Like that's yeah. the mentality. And you like really start to like envision, like, you know, your body's capable of it. And once you know that you have that in you, then it's a completely different story. Yeah. It's the, it's the goal setting. I want to say that, uh, that yeah. makes a huge difference. Like if you, if you set proper goals for yourself, it, uh, it really motivates you to, to not only yeah. get started, but keep going. It's interesting that you say that too, because in bodybuilding, there's like people often go in cycles um, of bulking and cutting. And I'm sure you've seen that I've done this myself personally too, yeah. because it's the reason for this is that if you want to gain lean muscle, it's very difficult to just slowly and steadily only eat grilled chicken and rice in a surplus consistently. So what people will do is they'll gain a lot of weight and then they'll lose the excess fat. They'll gain a lot of weight and they'll lose excess fat. Right. Um, so basically, oh my God, I'm brain farting because I don't remember how I segmented into this, but I'm going to uh, briefly touch I'm, into this process. I'm here for whatever the wave is, whatever yeah. you got laid on me. <laughs> but basically in the like bulking and cutting phases, oh, I know goal setting. That's what it was. My bad. I just it briefly slipped my mind. I got you. So basically the reason why this is important, the reason why you see a lot of people doing this is because you have to have a clear goal. You can't really come into the gym just you you need to have a defined purpose of what you're there to do either i'm going there because i personally speaking either i want to get bigger i want to get stronger i want to get thinner i want to get leaner but like i have a goal in mind of how i want to look and i know what i have to do to get to that goal i'm not going there aimlessly just picking up random weights i feel like doing five right now maybe six right now like you yeah. know what i mean it's I'm, I'm coming there with like a more like if I'm aiming for strength, I'm definitely going higher weights for lower reps. If I'm going for hypertrophy, um, I'm going for more muscle building. I'm going to go a little bit lower weights, but I'm going to go for maybe like 10 to 12 reps. Point is, I'm there knowing what I'm doing. And the bulking and cutting cycle is that once you start to bulk up, you gain a lot of fat in addition to the muscle you gain. So, for example, I started off before last winter around like 195. I bulked up to 213. So I gained almost 20 pounds in the span of about two months. Yeah, so I got crazy. real big. Yeah. I ate everything inside. I was eating fast food, um, burgers. I was eating literally anything I wanted. I wasn't limiting myself at Wawa donuts. Uh, I was eating good, eating real good. <laughs> except the fun time. It was a fun time. Uh, except it starts to catch up with you. Yeah. So yeah. You'll, the reason, the reason why it's okay is because you'll get the strength gains with assuming you're eating enough protein and you're giving your body enough building blocks to actually make the muscle out of, but unfortunately it's going to come with a little bit extra fat. So come right. summertime and within the past two months, um, I'm trying to go cut back down from that 213 down to something more where I can see more definition. So I'm focused on rather than eating everything in sight, obviously this is where diet has a big, big role in it because if you're t thinking about only bodybuilding, it's, realistically about 10% gym, 90% diet abs are made in the kitchen. Right. And yeah. That's it's, the, it's uh, the classic phrasing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's difficult. You have to, you have to stay consistent. Not only it's not enough to only show up and work out every day, which is the, the difficult part. You have to be able to stay consistent and disciplined outside of gym as well. Yeah. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit nothing. That's exactly. 
Yeah. yeah. But you have your goals set and you have your priorities straight and you, you know where you're aiming at. You know where you're trying to get to. It makes it a lot easier than just, I know I should work out and I know I should eat healthy, but healthy to me could mean something completely different than healthy to you. Right. No, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, and I guess to uh, sort of piggyback on the, uh, the goal setting aspects, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, like we, we both obviously grew up in a, a rather suburban area all of our very, lives. Very suburban. Yeah. Um, and I, I was wondering, like, from, from where we both started, uh, what kind of goals do you have for the future? Or like, what sort of life experiences would you like to, to achieve at some point in your life? That's a good question, man. Um, honestly, it's a big one. Like you, yeah, because like you said, we both started off, I was blessed to start very well off. Um, I can only speak for myself here, but granted, uh, that me, we're from me the too, town and all. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, like, we're, you're kind of in like a dilemma where once you have everything, it's, it always turns into like, okay, what more, what more, what more? Just the natural, natural way things go. It's I guess. never enough. Yeah. It's ne- just a materialistic, never enough type. Like I have everything I can possibly ask for, but I'll always manage to find a way to always want more. Right. Which this isn't uh, not, and in my opinion, it's not the best way to live. So, what I value right now, at least, I know things can change over time, and my priorities and goals will change over time for sure because that's just what happens all the time. Yeah. Um, right now, I definitely want to travel. I want to see like different places. I'm not tied to New Jersey in any way. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, I grew up here. I have my friends here, and um, I love. That is always the struggle. Here. Yeah. Yeah, like my my entire life is here. Granted, uh, I'm 21 and I've only lived in New Jersey and mostly one town. And for the past couple of years, so one town, 15 minutes away. Yeah. So to pick up and relocate, obviously, it would be difficult with no friends, no family around. But it's I, I want to see what's out there. Um, one of my good friends, um, he works remotely for his job, and he's literally traveling every single week every time i see him he's been to a different state he's been to somewhere new i think it's awesome yeah where he'll just fly out to utah for a week he'll rent a car he'll go racing random places he'll go to colorado he'll go california wherever he wants to visit yeah i mean that that sort of lifestyle is something that you you can't replicate that experience in any other way it's either you you do it and you travel everywhere or or you don't and uh it sort of feels like you're almost missing out if you don't take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. But it's scary at the same time, because even though like, let's say I, I want to travel, I want to go all these places. Like at the end of the day, I have bills to pay and I'm, I've got to be financially responsible where I have to make sure that X, Y, and Z is met before I can luxury. Like I have to take time off from work. Unfortunately, I don't have the spot where I can work remotely, yeah. which which is a cool thing would be as we're moving past COVID right now, a lot of more jobs are offering incentive as work remote because they've proven that it works. And yeah. It, it can, and it does work. I mean, that's so, a, a huge opportunity for a lot of people to, uh, like you yeah. mentioned, live that sort of lifestyle. Yeah. Especially younger people as well, who have the time and energy to, they want to see the world. They want to see, at least the United States, they want to see what's out there rather than being confined to, okay, we grew up in New Jersey, so we're stuck here our whole lives. It's not really the, the type of spot that we're in. No, yeah, that but, is a really good point. 
Um, and for me, like a, a huge reservation is like you mentioned, like all of our friends and uh, family obviously is uh, all here. And it's hard to take that first step and uh, step outside of that, that comfort zone. Yeah. Um, but it's, also it's a scary world t- out there. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's, it's a big move and it's not something that it takes a lot of commitment. Um, but to touch back on what you were also saying in that question of what I would like to achieve. Um, I think I was, I'm very grateful that my dad was able to provide a lot for me in the sense that he grew up in Soviet Russia and he came up with very, very little. He was very poor growing up mm-hmm. where would to him, like owning a Mercedes is, was an absolute dream where you would see it on a billboard and this is something that would just never happen in your life where right. it's just not even something that you would reach for because you're setting yourself up for failure and right. to start to start from something like that, to come to America with a master's degree in engineering, but not able to speak a word of English. So he started pumping gas and essentially just worked himself up until what he is today, where he's, like I said, has a master's degree, has professional licenses. He works in the government sector. He works on the World Trade Center. He was able to provide my entire life for me, which is, I, I can't be more grateful than that because he, it's, the words can't even describe that. I mean, so, it's a really incredible story, yeah. to be honest. Um, yeah, it's it's the exact like immigrant mentality type of, it's a, the stereotypical way you would expect out of just a hardworking it, the point is he was able to provide everything for me. I want to make sure I'm able to do the same for my kids. I want to make sure that my, one of my major goals that I don't want them to have to worry about paying for school. I want them to make sure that they're able to focus on whatever they're interested in. Um, if they're, I don't want them to shy away from a job because they're worried that it's not going to put food on the table. I want to make sure that regardless of what they want to do, they're able to pursue it and, and know that they're secure. Yeah, I know that's been a huge, uh, I don't know, that, that, that's definitely a, a phrase that I've heard uh, pretty often coming from uh, kids with like immigrant parents, um, where the parents work really, really hard to uh, provide opportunities for their kids to do whatever they dreamed of. Um, and that obviously it seems to trickle down to uh, their kids as well of wanting to provide that same opportunity for their children because they know where they, where they came from. Yeah. So my main thing is that I, I don't look at it like with any kind of like bitterness or regret or anything like that. I'm happy with the path that I took, but just growing up, like it wasn't even in the question if I can be like an artist or if I can be anything like that. It's always like you get a job that is going to pay well. You get a job here. You, you be an engineer, you'd be okay. Business is acceptable. You could be a lawyer, a doctor, obviously like stereotypical, like the types of jobs your parents want you to have. But yeah, it was almost like beaten into me where like, it's very, very like you will get this type of job. You will make good money and you will make sure that you're financially safe and responsible. Yeah. It's, you, the parents definitely don't want to see their kids go down that same, that yeah. same hole or rabbit hole. After, yeah. Cause after everything they sacrificed and after just uh, relocating their entire lives for their future kids, it's, it, obviously you want, you don't want to see them mess it up. Yeah. So 
you can't blame them for wanting to just play the safer route. But at the same time, I just want my kids to know that if they want, they want to be a musician, if they want to be an artist, anything like that, like they want to go into something that is maybe not as reliable financially that they're still covered and they don't have to worry about, okay, rents due. So I have to pick up an extra side job, an extra two side jobs. I like, yes, I want them to be responsible. I want them to be independent at a certain point, but I need them to know that whatever they want to go into the opportunities there. That is some heartwarming stuff right there, Max. Bring me to tears. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, all right. So then uh, my next uh, deeper. Before, before we transition, I need to hear your yeah. answer though. Oh, my answer for what I want to do? Yeah. Oh, man. That's a man. Uno reverse card right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready for the Uno reverse. That's devastating. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, my dream you'd brought up a good point with like wanting to to travel and see the world um and get to know all the possibilities that are out there um but for me my dream had sort of been to move to the the city in particular like new york city and uh get to know maybe one particular area very very well um and Obviously, I have a lot of curiosity about the rest of the world and um, getting to be well-traveled and stuff like that. But uh, there's something appealing to me about uh, getting super-duper rich and then uh, making it in a city where I can uh, sort of do whatever I want in a place where the whole world seems to come to you. Um, and I, I do hope that I'll get to travel and see the world as well. But I don't know. There's something appealing to me about the, the whole world being in one place. Is there anything specifically about New York that draws you there besides maybe proximity because we grew up around it? Yeah, I don't what know. Do I, I guess I've romanticized it a little bit in my mind. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, just like growing up with uh, New York sports, it, it was a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, just that, that feeling. Uh, I don't know. There's something special like, about it. <laughs> yeah. I also like the fact that you touched on getting really rich before doing that, because I feel like a lot of people want to move to the city. And I have friends that did move to the city like before college or straight out of college, but it's very difficult to not even, let's say like you're ready to move out on your own with, for example, like I would be willing to move out tomorrow, except for me, it has to make sense financially. Yeah. So like you said, you're not going to shoot yourself like, in the foot. Just I, I'm not. Yeah. You're not going to make it more difficult on yourself than it has to be. Yeah. And it's kind of unfortunate that just the prices are so high that you have to have a lot of disposable income in order to be able to do that. Otherwise you're kind of putting yourself in a really tough situation for little to no reason. Yeah. I mean, for me, when I was a, a kid, I, I thought I wanted to be a farmer. And like really? live off the land. Farmer yeah. John. <laughs> I, I was gonna be a girl in my cabbages working real hard in the uh, the beating sun. Um, nice. But now, yeah, that's uh, that's all changed for me. Uh, wanting to get super duper rich and uh, put myself in a position to succeed in in some sort of city. Um, so I guess that's where I'm at. I definitely, I'm gonna be listening back to this later and be like, 
you stupid idiot. You had so many other dreams <laughs> you could have mentioned. But uh, uh, that's where I'm at for now. Um, no, that's awesome. No, no farms in the city, unfortunately, but still. Well, maybe once they get the uh, those like vertical farms or whatever that they're that they're showing yeah. now. I think I've seen those. Oh, like, didn't was that not, like, horticulture or something? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't saw know the word for it. It's one of those things I was like, oh, that's cool. And kept scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> that's the future on my timeline. <laughs> Next. Um, yeah, that, that's funny as hell. Um, all right. So my next question is going to be, what what would you say is like the, the source of some of your, your favorite memories that you've had in your life? Like what what qualifies for you as like, when, when you look back on that, that it sort of warms your heart a little bit, like the, the favorite things that's happened to you. It's, the recipe for a good memory, so to speak. They're, I guess. They're, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's a little bit tougher to, to kind of like quantify that, I guess. Yeah, because, it's a weird question, I guess. Uh, but the reason I say that is because for those that don't know, my mom passed when I was 12 uh, to cancer. So for me, just in general, looking back at any moment leading up until that, um, it just it obviously has a special place in my heart because it's going on almost 10 years now that she was gone. So obviously I grew a lot as a person and a lot, I made a lot of new memories, a lot of new friends, but anything that I remember vividly, um, like from my childhood, like, always has my mom involved and that's like those are the types of memories that I definitely hold closer than some others yeah I mean there there's definitely something incredibly special about that that feeling I guess of I don't know can't even put it into words but yeah the the best way I describe uh, I I can at least attempt to describe it is that when she passed a lot of family members and like close family friends would tell, like always remind me that her memory is still with us. Her memory is still with us. So basically the way I took that is, is, and I forget who told me this, but basically I think the quote was, as long as we remember her, she's still alive. Basically you keep her memory going. You keep going to the cemetery, you plant the flowers, you clean up the grave. Um, You show that, people are still thinking about her you show that the memory continues and you know that you're not alone you know that there's other people that she touched and played such a big impact in their lives that i'm sorry it's a little tough no yeah it's just finding the right words i guess yeah no Um, i definitely appreciate you sharing it one way or another. another problem but yeah, it's honestly, it just comes down to keeping the memory alive and knowing that it's funny that we actually do this podcast on Mother's Day. <laughs> it's yeah. very, very, very timely. But yeah, this any uh, any childhood memories obviously strike a chord a little bit differently. Um, and we know that, for example, we visited the cemetery about two weeks ago to start planting flowers. Um, and cleaning it up and by the time we got there this morning um, there were two to three different bouquets that 
we didn't bring ourselves. So that just a sign that other people are remember and other people care. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I know that might've derailed off the question a little bit. No, that's, 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 that's basically what my closest memories consist of. Oh yeah. Those, those memories are definitely, I don't know. There, there can't be anything else like it. Yeah. because like my dad i'm very close to my dad and we shared a lot of great memories so we've we've had a lot of experiences and everything like that but like at the same time i know that i'm gonna wake up and he's still gonna be there tomorrow and we can keep making new memories and like it's always there's always gonna be something else on top of that at least for the relevant future versus you have to accept that everything that you've experienced and everything you went through it's that's it yeah so you know you treasure what what the time you spent together basically the memories you made because you know that there won't be any more and it's not to sound depressing it's not to be try to get all down and upsetting but it just makes you value those memories even more yeah there's something really beautiful about that in in a way um yeah, there's some some really beautiful words there, Max. Huh? I I really appreciate you you sharing that. That's yeah, that's not a problem. Yeah. Those are just some of the, like, granted, like I said, being Mother's Day was just some of the stuff that was like swirling in my head for a little while. So if it's a little disjointed, if it's a little a little tough to follow, I apologize. But I, I think no, I'm I'm know, glad you're able the, to get it out there. Yeah. It's because that's that's another thing. Whenever like I think of just that topic in general or just her, it's very tough. Like because it's, I'm sure anybody who's lost a close family member will know that. Just it, you get overwhelmed with emotion. You have a lot of stuff spinning, and you feel a bunch of different ways about a bunch of different things, and it's, it can be sometimes just tough to articulate what what's going on between your head and what actually comes out of your mouth, basically. Uh, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. What about um, you? What are what are some of your happy, happiest or what were the happiest memories? Closest memories, most cherished memories. Uh, for me, my most cherished memory again the, the Uno reverse card. I've got to be ready for it this time. I was <laughs> expecting it. Yeah, I really should have seen this one coming. I guess. You didn't see um, the spamming the button. <laughs> uh, for me, it's really simple stuff. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of my most cherished memories are like summer nights with just hanging out with friends um, yeah. and doing absolutely nothing or absolutely everything at the same time which is a little bit cliche, I guess, to say, but it, uh, no, I like that because true. on the same way, the most simple stuff is, it's just you're carefree, just having fun. Yeah. I don't know why the first thing that comes to mind is our night last time we're branding Mackie. <laughs> Shout out to the boy. <laughs> I don't think we can say that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can censor yeah. me if you have to. <laughs> no, but that was, uh, that one is a night I will never forget. 
exactly a thousand like, percent. Stupid, stupid stuff like that man. really dumb stuff um but even just like silly stuff like two two years ago three years ago of the the four of us sitting around a table and playing binding of isaac is oh weirdly enough like great game life-changing for me i don't know yeah it, no, uh, because it's it's just something about everybody's like actively everyone's just sharing the moments together everyone's there playing the game having a good time everyone's laughing but yeah i don't know you 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 get what i'm trying to say but it, even though it's like such a like a simple memory but like honestly like doing like the bare minimum it's just for some reason hits some of the hardest right yeah that's incredibly yeah. real yeah we got to run it back though because <laughs> i'm pretty nice with to blue, settle <laughs> i'm pretty nice with blue baby blue anybody baby. that's listening and wants the blue baby smoke <laughs> <He's> <laughs> come one all, come all all challenges <laughs> no one's ready for that Uno reverse card of uh of isaac <laughs> <laughs> all right and then uh i think we're running up on about an hour right now and i don't want to keep you too late because i know you have a final tomorrow okay. 8 a.m um yeah so I'll, I'll ask you the, the final question that I always ask everybody that comes through. Uh, what is it that motivates you to do what you do every day? Um, you can take to, some time to think about this is the one that it took Ryan that, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, it's my mom. Um, I, I don't think that that comes as too much of a surprise. Um, uh, every time I wake up, uh, I have her picture here on my dresser yeah. and I tell myself that I have to make her proud every day. So it's, it's tough, but it got me through, like I said, I lost her when I was 12. It got me through some of the toughest times. Uh, my family fell apart. I don't want to go into too much detail about that aspect, but yeah, no, that's okay. No, it's the point is it was tough times, but I know she was always watching over me, and I felt her presence there. And to this day, I know that when I get out of bed, she's there, she's watching me. And like I said, at the end of the day, I need to make her proud because she put in a lot of work. She's also sacrificed a lot, and she's an amazing mother. So I have to go out and. I'm basically representing her legacy. That's the way I think about it. So. Yeah. I, I don't think there's very much else in the world that can, uh, that can push you or give you as much strength, I guess, as a, uh, yeah. As that responsibility, I guess, to, to the people that yeah. helped you get there. Cause Obviously, I I want to do it for myself as well. I want to see myself succeed, but more importantly, it's for the people that allowed it to happen. It's for my dad for supporting me. It's for my mom for raising me. It's I owe it to the people around me. I watched what happened personally. Um, if people go down the wrong path and just what can result from it. And I told myself I was never going to let myself go down the same path I watched my brother and 
I owe it to, like I said, the people around me to do better and to do my best day in and day out. And regardless how tough it gets, regardless what may stand in the way, but I don't want it to sound cheesy, but it's it just, you have to yeah keep trucking, man. I keep trucking. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I don't think your, your parents could have asked for a better son, to be honest with you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I, I, that has to be it. It's just in terms of what motivates me. Obviously, I want to be successful. I want nice cars. I want luxury. I want all that stuff. But obviously, that's all secondary. That's yeah. that, that's added benefit. I want a nice suit. I want a nice wallet. It's, it's all material. So. I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Now. <laughs> but it, it comes after and it's it, it's a product of, of all the work that you put in that's like driven by that that initial purpose right yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna spare you the uno reverse card on this one unless you opt to take it i'll throw it in the air Mackie actually already hit me with that uno reverse card i see yeah so okay. so that one's going to be coming can't, out and, and can't, yeah, can't so. double down on that <laughs> people don't want to hear that answer uh, again and again so i appreciate you looking out for me on that one though not a problem um all right so yeah i guess we'll, we'll call it there um for sure. i i can't thank you enough for for coming on and uh doing this episode with me max no, thank so, you for having me man I yeah. had some awesome questions and some real good discussions there. Yeah, no, I I really appreciated the opportunity to uh to get to know you better even after all these years, which is weird to think about. Yeah, I'd assume you get that with basically everyone you interview, right? It's you just open up a different side. Like I feel like even though we've been friends for so long, like obviously we never just sat down and like talked for an hour straight. Yeah, I mean, but that, that's the goal stuff. with all this yeah. is like. I, I never really had any, I mean, I, it's a lie for me to say I've never had that opportunity, but it's just not something that I feel like you tend to do. Yeah. Just Nobody sit down and yeah. talk. Yeah. I got reason. Yeah. Um, but all right. Uh, yes. As, as per usual grilling and, and chilling fashion, I'll give you any opportunity to plug anything that you would like any, uh, any social media links or if you have a book you're you're writing um <laughs> for the yo, who who do you have on this podcast man i thought you're making me look like a bum man i, I apologize fans we know nobody's had anything to plug yet i promise you <laughs> i mean like she i don't know man. <laughs> see you got like an accords baby trying to get crossed <laughs> up catch him on the hoop mixtapes he'll he'll be out there <laughs> Catch me pulling a, a Nick Claxton missing 12 straight free throws. <laughs> gang, gang. <laughs> it does tend to do that, yeah. <laughs> but uh, working the free throws. Come on, man. My free throws do need some improvement.